welcome back to Discover Ag, where every week we discover something new. Here on Discover Ag, we discuss relevant and entertaining ag topics so you, the listener, can stay in the know. I'm your host, Natalie Kavoric, a rancher, pharmacist, and social entrepreneur from central Nebraska. I'm Tara Vanerdusen, a dairy farmer, environmental scientist, and social entrepreneur from eastern New Mexico. Each week, we keep our finger on the pulse of food and ag so you don't have to. And today, we have a jam-packed episode we are bringing you. We are actually live live together. <laughs> we are. I'm looking right at you. This is crazy. <laughs> it is kind of crazy. Uh, so we're going to be diving into where we're at, what we're doing in a minute. But we have some really great industry news coming up. We have um, the newest thing that Google is doing and how it will impact beef. Yeah. I, beef's pretty, I've seen some statements out there about this already. Beef's pretty heated about it. And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure I like how beef has handled it, honestly. So I'm excited to dive into this one. I saw a headline that was like, beef has the beef with yeah. people. And I was like, <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, Colorado River news on what the feds are thinking about doing to the Colorado River and water allocations. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's something that historically has never been done before. And then finally, bottled water. Bottled water. That It's a market disruptor. We're going to get into it. Changing things up. But we're going back to where we're at. So for this week's In the Moment segment, we are at the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef mm-hmm. here in Denver, Colorado. And before we dive into sharing more about details from the conference and what we have learned here in the last two days, which has been a plethora of information, we want to give a special shout out and thank you to one of our first big sponsors of the podcast, um, Merck Animal Health. So Merck Animal Health has a 50 plus year history of providing the products that cattle need to stay healthy and that producers need to stay sustainable. With innovation, passion, and integrity, Merck does what's right. Visit mahcattle.com to see how you um, can work with Merck Animal Health and how it can work for you. So as a ranch that, I mean, we pretty much exclusively use Merck products. Um, we've, I've worked a ton with them on our social channel. I cannot, I mean, Luke and I really cannot say enough good things. And I know you guys work with them on your operation too. So very excited to have Merck as a big sponsor. Thank you, Merck. Um, they are, they're part of the reason we came to the conference. They really wanted to help us share the conversations and dialogue. So thank you, Merck. Yeah. Thank you, Merck. Saying I'll echo what Natalie said. We use them a ton. Uh, We also are going to have a collaboration with them coming up on the podcast in a future episode. So stay tuned for that. Okay, let's do it. Let's get into what we've been learning here at the Global Roundtable. Yeah. So uh, for you guys that are not familiar with um, the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, um, they host an annual conference. Um, reaching new heights and achieving global goals was this year's slogan. And before I guess we dive into like kind of the nitty gritty of the stuff that's been discussed here, I feel like this has been my first global conference. Tara, I know you've kind of done some stuff like global level, um, but I haven't. And it has been so cool to like come together and have other, um, you know, countries discuss what they're doing. Um, we had examples from Poland, Brazil, Ireland, Italy, and I just, you don't typically hear about like conversations that are going with producers in those countries. And so for me, for a first timer, this has been like, it's just been really exciting to partake in bigger conversations like that. 
it has been fascinating because you have so many different ideas. You have so many different like points of view being represented. I mean, you always do an act, but this is on a different scale. And you also obviously have like uh, sometimes some of the language barriers. I know you were in some panels yesterday. I didn't mm-hmm. fly until later, um, but there were, you know, it was hard. Some things got lost in translation. So you also have like that component of it too, trying to all like come together, speak the same language while you actually speak different languages. Yeah. So I did get here before you did. Um, I thankfully have a like really early flight out. So I got, I got here very early. It was like 7am that I landed in Denver. Um, so I was able to make like opening remarks for Tuesday's session. Um, and it was my first time flying Denver Air Connect, which is like, you fly to the club, (laughs) you fly Southwest, which is an open seating, um, airline. And I've never flown that before. And it was kind of funny because we were all waiting and people, it was like the, like a herd mentality. People were just like scooting closer to like get on the plane. And I was like, listen, like, we're all going to have it. I don't know. It's just we're all going to get on the like plane. human nature like that. I was can, like, calm down, people. Can you guess what my favorite thing about Denver Air Connect is? No. The full size candy bars they give you? I like, didn't get one of those. What? Well, it was also 6 a.m. I mean, that would have been like. <laughs> I'm sorry. You need to ask for a refund. They have, they bring this tray around and it literally is just filled with full size or king size candy bars. And I, I did get ripped. 7 a.m. So I don't know what you're talking what? about. I got popcorn. I got what? a candy bar. Yeah. Remember those M&Ms I was eating in the conference? That's where you got those from? Heck yes. I was wondering where you got those from. I was like, where did she get those from? <laughs> I forgot to share. I ate the last one and was like, I never offered any to Natalie. Denver Air Connect did me dirty. Oh my gosh. Maybe on your flight home. Good Maybe luck. Maybe on my flight home. Okay. Back back to the moral of the story. <laughs> so do you have anything you want to cover where I wasn't there? Because otherwise I want to jump into some of the things I was here for. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, there was so much conversation yesterday. Um, I think one of the things, so there is a film coming out um, called, oh, Deep, roots so deep the devil can see them I think wow. um, it's a four-part docuseries and they're doing research and work around um, like they're calling it adaptive uh, paddock grazing I think or adaptive I can't quite remember but anyway it's it's like very high intensive grazing um, versus uh, I guess it was almost to me I mean I want to get my I went up and asked the speaker afterwards I really want to get my hands on some of the studies um, about it but it seemed like they weren't comparing to like conventional conventional the way we think of conventional they were actually comparing to like a looser um, or just less intense grazing which I think is really interesting because there are a lot of people I mean even on our operation we do rotational grazing but we do not do it as intensely as you can Um, we're pretty proud of you know the way we do rotational grazing but I know there are people who are like rotating multiple times a day and we're not at that level so I do think it's really interesting that this film is doing a four-part series to kind of compare um and there they it's very the way it was conducted I was very impressed with the researchers or the families the producers they found and then they would just literally work with their neighbor next door that wasn't rotating so it's like the soil's going to be very similar like I mean it was very geographically like similar of who they were comparing and who they weren't um, and they found some really cool statistics about like greenhouse gas emissions and things we can do with that multi-species grazing so I was pretty excited to see that that will be coming out and I really want to keep my finger like on the pulse of that and follow up with that um, they were looking one interesting thing I thought too um, they highlighted was that Consumers want to make choices, better choices. So they stated that 86% look for better when buying meat or poultry. 
Um, and what I thought was interesting is they further broke down better. So sometimes it's better for the farmer, which was 35% of people. Sometimes it's better for themselves, which is actually a majority, 64%. Sometimes it's better for the planet, which is 35%, or the animal, 31 And I thought it was really interesting that farmer and planet were the same percentage. They were both 35% of people. I feel like that actually tracks. Like people were most worried about their health first, mm-hmm. then farmer and planet, and then animal welfare last, which actually – I would be love to know if this study had been done 10 years ago or even five years ago, if animal welfare would have ranked higher than planet. And But I do feel like we've seen a shift in that, which is actually like part of some of my conversations that I have enjoyed today um, goes into that. Yeah. I don't know why it shocked me that farmer was higher. I feel like there's so, I'm just shocked that, um, I don't know why I'm just shocked that it ranked. I felt like that would have been the last one was like caring about the farmer. So that's the, because I have a cold outlook on life. The um, last panel or the panel I attended yesterday was on data. And one of the things was the guy described it as a spider web. And he was like, every piece of the spider Mm -hmm. web is different pieces of the food supply chain. And right now we are pulling on the sustainability side so hard that he's afraid the rest of the web will break. And it kind of goes back to that. Like, it's like, there's other things to talk about besides just sustainability. Mm -hmm. Like today we talked about water use, animal welfare, like There's so many other things out there. Yeah, today had such good panels. I was so impressed with today's panels. We had, um, they kicked it off with, oh, let me pull up the title for you guys. Wait, before, while you're pulling that up, I'm going to talk about one other thing that I thought was interesting since we just talked about grass-fed beef, is that we, most of the grass-fed beef we purchased is ground beef. I found that to be a really interesting. Oh, yeah. And then the other thing was something that I am like a huge advocate, like preacher for, like stand on the soapbox, is keeping carbon credits within our food supply system. So like if you're a farmer, don't sell your carbon credits to like the highest bidder that's maybe like Shell or Chevron, an oil Mm -hmm. company. Like maybe try to sell it to like a Nestle or a McDonald's that's inside the food supply chain. I feel like that's your little soapbox. Like you live on that little box. I do. I'm right. Mine died. Like home there. It's (laughs) fun. You love it. You like settling in. You got drapes. Like I'm learning and people are joining me yeah <laughs> people are getting on the soapbox you're like welcome me. welcome onto welcome my box here. I'm, so, I'm so happy to have you <laughs> uh, so today we started with um nutrition yeah balancing production consumption and nutritional needs which I think goes back to literally what you said which is I think there needs to be more conversation on like a balance or like um just comparing the the nuances of multiple things instead of like heavy hitting, you know, certain topics. So we kicked off with that, which I thought that was um, moderated by Dr. Um, Vaughn Holder. And I was really good. Very good. And I actually heard he spoke um, multiple times during All Tech One's conference. And he, um, fascinating, he's doing fascinating work. I actually want to try and get him on the podcast for you guys to kind of interview him because um, he has really great information um, one of the things from that panel, it reminded me of what um, Sustainable Dish, Diana Rogers, talks a lot about, is that when we compare like meat consumption, red meat consumption, and they do like health studies on it, they compare it to the average American diet. And they were like, what we really need to do is do a comparison of unprocessed foods versus processed foods mm-hmm. and the impact of red meat in those diets. Uh, because there's, it's just you're not comparing like apples to apples kind of I don't know I thought that was like a very like nuanced discussion but kind of interesting of just how we're comparing things what our nutritional facts look like on the back of the label and how we could do a better job of updating those um yeah I mean it was really great conversation around I think core topic I mean I think one of the heavy hitting core topic was that like worldwide people are malnourished and I think going back to what you said in the opening which it's been interesting on global discussions like this because what we face I mean they literally said like in the food 
conversation. They're like, what we battle here in America is food access. Yeah. While what other countries are doing battling isn't. And so like, like you said, some of these conversations are harder to have because we're not, it's not like apples to oranges. Like we're both coming at it from different ends of the spectrum. But I did, I mean, big picture, like statement for me is like too many people worldwide are malnourished. You know, we have a lot of women and children who are anemic um, and we have, they talked a lot about micronutrient deficiencies, um, which I thought was really interesting. And basically the answer, what's the answer? more meat like that's meat what's going to solve everything all the micronutrient issues. yeah it's just the eat lancet report part was interesting too that very the interesting eat lancet report actually falls short on providing enough like if you look at the diet they focused on like macronutrients and not micro and it falls short on iron zinc and b12 especially for women in reproductive years which makes a ton of sense obviously because we mm-hmm. need probably more iron more of these things and so uh they're actually doing like a version two and the guy was like i'm very hopeful that it will increase meat consumption because that's the way to address those concerns yeah um and then i think we both had a favorite quote i would venture to say from that one is it the uh waste yes, yeah the byproducts mm-hmm. yep go ahead that um how do we give credit to cattle for consuming byproducts that would ultimately go to a landfill? So emissions from the byproducts, if they went into a landfill, if the byproducts went into a landfill, the emissions would be 49 times more. And if they went to composting, they'd be seven times more. So cattle are, by consuming those products, they are reducing emissions. And so much of what we're saying right now like leads into our first industry news topic of the nuances of agriculture's role in the environment. Um, but yeah, I was very excited. That's one of the studies I also want to get my hand on um, because they, uh, Dr. Holder is the one who announced that and he just kind of like passed it in by mentioning like, oh, this just came out. Like it wasn't featured. It wasn't on a slide or anything. I would like lean over to him like, did you get those statistics? I didn't I get them down. Like, I wrote it. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> You're like, stop talking to me. I, you, you didn't like, respond to me. Natalie. I have it in my head. Don't make me forget it. I, I feel like my inbox right now is just a plethora of um, studies that I keep yeah. emailing to you. I'm like, I, someone just sent me this one that I met here. Like we've got to read it. So we're going to be, if you need us for the next yeah. month, <laughs> we're going to be reading studies. <laughs> we're going to be reading studies. No, but like, I guess like scaling out of like from the minute brushstrokes of this to like the big picture. I mean that this is what's so fun about these conferences, right? Is like you get to go, we've got to network. Like I got to meet, um, Peter, um, I don't quite know how to say his last name, Peter Ballstead, I think. I like fangirl. But did, you I was kind of did. I like kind of like, like stopped myself mid-sentence because I was like, no, you did oh not. You no, like, I did. I'm so sorry to reach across the table, but like, hi, I'm Natalie. I was like, he's like a massive scientist, <laughs> and Natalie just like was fangirling him. I know. I it just it slipped out before I could like articulate but he something said more yes professional. To maybe coming on, so maybe yeah. you didn't totally ruin that one. But it's just so fun. It's fun to you know have conversations with people you normally wouldn't get to and it's really fun to see the you know data coming down the pipe what's the pipe is that pipeline pipeline Mm -hmm. um and just um I mean we'll say it all the time or at least I do this is why we love bringing these you know why we want to go to these conferences and bring them back to you guys because there is so much good information here that like more people need to be privy to like there's that's a packed room of really important people in there um but it needs to go like the ripple effects need to be carried out much further than that like that information needs to be disseminated so it's just really fun to come to these conferences not to like throw in your guys's faces like we're having so much fun (laughs) speaking of though bringing information to you guys this is why we're doing this one of the conversations was around water and they have a class called the master irrigator and it's a comprehensive four-day course that's hosted in north texas colorado and oklahoma did i get those right maybe kansas 
those states and it's over the winter and it teaches you how to be a better like irrigator. And 100% of the students that left that course made changes to their irrigation like systems and how they were irrigating. And I thought that would really tied in because one of the other people on that panel was talking about how if we reduced water use in Kansas by 22%, we would stabilize the Oklahoma aquifer. We obviously are both located on the Oklahoma aquifer. So stabilizing that would be, this goes into one of our other news topics too about water mm-hmm. scarcity. Yeah. I thought you were going to save that for it. No. Going off script. Going rogue. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so if you are wanting to become a better irrigator, learning how to conserve water, if you're one of our ag listeners, master irrigators. I wanted to like get that out there into the world. They should become our sponsor. Jeez Louise. That was like a five minute pitch for them. It was good. (laughs) If we could reduce water use. Just kidding. All right. Kicking off into our top three industry news pieces that you guys need to know this week in the world of ag and food. We don't agree on this first one. No, we do agree. Oh, we do? Well. Because I sent it to you like four times and you're like, I don't want to cover it. No, I know. I just, I kind of, we agree. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) So the title is Cattle Industry Sees Red Over Google Flagging Beef Admissions. So if you Google a recipe that has beef in it or has any ingredients in it, it will tell you the carbon impact of each ingredient and then it will give you alternatives. For those ingredients. So yes. if it's beef, it might say like, here are 10 other lower carbon emission ingredients you could use. Yeah. Basically, Google wants to implement a feature that will let you know how environmentally friendly your choice of dinner is. My issue is we don't all agree what that means. And so it's suggesting other options. Is it making sure that the other options have as much protein, as much micronutrients, all these other things we've talked about? <laughs> yes. So I... I totally agree. I think that this is, um, so a lot of people who are in support of this are saying that, I mean, cause Google also has like an option where they give like a route that gives the less fuel emissions. Um, and they had one other thing and they're like, well, this is just the next thing we're rolling out, which I'm calling, I don't know. I think Google's up to something sneaky, but, um, so they they think it makes sense that they're, you know, comparing to what else they've done, but what else they've done, I feel like is apples to apples and what they're doing here there's like a whole layer beneath that that number doesn't tell. Like you said, maybe it has the most emissions, but we're not talking about calories. We're not talking about, um, back to like the micronutrients. We're not, I mean, they talk, no, well, and even in that, um, that lecture speech panel, he was saying that as protein, as animal, as beef, uh, we're selling ourselves short by just talking about how, like beef's important for protein. Like there are so many other um, micronutrients we provide that nothing else can. Like it's a very important thing on a health level. And so that that's one thing Google's not pointing out in the missions and people won't go that level deeper. And this is something sustainable yeah. just talks about all the time is like, you know, we don't, it, we, we have to pay more atten- attention to the health of the food we're eating. Well, and that's another thing that was on that panel is it not talking about like protein, plant protein does not compare to beef protein. And so we're not even getting into that. So maybe you like sub it for something, a plant-based protein that has a fair amount of protein, but it's not going to be as bioavailable. So it's still a problem. So I pulled up a screenshot of, cause the, um, article had like a blog post that the Google yes. head 
uh, person put out herself. And so at the top of it, it says food, and we'll screenshot this and put this on our Discover Ag stories, but it says food is responsible for about a third of global greenhouse gas emissions. These gases trap the sun's heat and lead to climate change. Average greenhouse gas impact. And then it goes beef at 32 emissions per pound of food down to lamb, selfish, well, shellfish, cheese, fish, pork, poultry, eggs, rice and grains, milk, tofu, legumes, breads and pastas, fruit, vegetables, and then nuts being at the very lowest at 0.02. But why are we judging our food per pound and not per nutrient? Yeah, there's a lot of problems with that. Yeah. There's also, um, I mean, I guess moving on out of the diet portion of it, um, which is some of the things that people, because uh, like NCBA has actually been really big in there. I think they're like one of the main organizations that are really attacking Google for this. Yeah. And then this article was like attacking them. Well, so I'll get into that in a second. But um, they did have a nice statement talking about, and we talked about this basically in our grass-fed um you know, grain fed conversation, both, I think both episodes, um, about like the nuance, you know, so yes, it has emissions, but you're also not talking about how, you know, cattle production protects green space or upcycles the grass or, you know, what it's doing for, um, you know, biodiversity and back to like the water. None of that is going to be shown in the simple, you know, 34, the graph that they're, you know, Google's putting out, like we're not getting that level of nuance that people need to make an informed decision. One of my things is, is there's also disagreements. Like this is not a straight across the board. Like we agree that beef is producing, like there, it's just one study can say something so different than another study. So which studies is Google pulling from, right? Like, oh, for sure. Like I have no idea where they're getting that information from. I doubt it's probably even being cited. You were just on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Oh, don't even get me started on Wikipedia. Um, What I'll say is why, like, this upsets me is I feel like the, not to, like, throw the spokesmen's under the bus, but some of the things that, like, we as an industry have been coming back for, I feel like are very, like, victim. Like, they were saying that they're targeting us. And maybe Google is. I mean, they're, like, um, as I was reading, they provide meals to their employees and it's pretty much like I think very low in meat oh I would imagine um so maybe they are like maybe this is a scam to target the beef industry um but I feel like that's all I feel like that's dominating the headlines if you pull out of this is like beef's like oh poor me we're being targeted on false stuff and we're like throwing a fit about it but isn't that always how it is I feel like with ag and beef like we're always like on the defense we're always like poor me oh my yeah I don't, we have to like change that narrative. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's why I, when you sent them to me, I was like, oh, I don't want to bring attention to this oh, because I just, just don't like, like how beef is. I just don't like how we're portrayed in this. Like, I'm just, I wish we would have, yeah. like, I feel like we did have good statements, um, but the reporters are like choosing to pull out yep. the one bad ones and then like run, they ran with them and they're just like, oh yeah, this article was so negative about it. Like once quoted beef industry says it's a sham. Like we're not saying it's. Uh, at least me personally, I'm not saying that agriculture, I will never say that agriculture doesn't have an environmental footprint that we're not contributing to it. Like, I'll never say that's a sham. You know, like, I don't want to be associated with that. I don't want to be associated with anyone who's saying like, no, we don't. And is denying that. Yeah. I just, There's I'm always room for improvement. Yeah. I'm for the narrative that like we contribute as does everyone, as does every industry, as does every food. Here's what, here's the ways we contribute and here's the ways we're working on it. And I don't feel like that was brought across in any of this conversation, but I do think it's right that like we're paying attention to this because it would obviously have major implications for the beef industry. Yeah. Okay. On that note, 
I'm moving on to the next one. Colorado River. So here it is. Feds to Colorado River states, reduce water usage or we will do it for you. Ooh, that's like a very like ominous headline. That's pretty intense. It is intense. So the that's, deal- like has big implications. Yeah. <laughs> so the in theory, the federal government can unilaterally cut water deliveries to Colorado's two main reservoirs, Lake Powell and Lake Mead. And like technically they can just do that. They can just say no, say no. They've never done it. They've always come to agreements with states, but it sounds like they might actually do it. And I think one of the things about this that we have to keep in mind is sure it affects water in Arizona, Nevada, California, New Mexico, like all the places, but it also goes on New Mexico as well. Yeah. I mean, I did a lot of the reading of what I said is going to, it's going to impact California the most, obviously they need the most water. Um, and it actually targeted into like a very specific portion of California. It's called like Imperial. Um, yeah. And they're like the largest producer of winter vegetables. Well, so that's one of my things is, okay. I'm like, so the federal government is like, you must cut water use. Uh How, how do you, would you like us to do that? Right. You want cities to stop using water. You want, and then the next one, the ag conversation kind of got me a little bit triggered because I was like, okay, so you want ag to cut back on water use. How would you like to feed people? Like, I'm not saying ag can't do a better job, but we are like year over year. We just got a study handed to us today that beef has reduced its water use by 30% like the last 10 years. We are trying every day, but we can't just like stop producing food for people. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of one article I was reading went into like the nuance of that about how the farming district has spent like the past decade helping their farmers make that growing operations more efficient. So they're buying sprinklers. They put in drip irrigation infrastructure, like water retention, you know, system, like doing all these things they can. Like you said, we're trying to improve. Um, But the, it takes time. Like that's some of my argument is like this takes time and the short term, like if they want this done immediately, the short term option is to farm less land, which then like opens up a whole new can of worms. And then it's like, like long term is farming less land the answer because then we're going to have less food production, you know? So it's, yeah. it's just really messy. Um, I did think it was neat that they highlighted that the two, um, again, going back to California, um, being like the thirsty thirstiest of the seven states and like most affected they talked about how it would a lot of it was spent on of course it was spent on like the implications for the agriculture you know heavy imperial valley but they did mention like the los angeles metro area they threw it in there casually so casually. at least they were at least they have acknowledged urban yes i was like oh thank you so we do have two major things using it agriculture it feeds people and then a huge city I, my favorite quote out of this was the one from the professor from the University of New Mexico. Did you read that one? No. And he was like, whether those cuts are imposed by government action or by voluntary action by the states or the fact that the reservoirs are blanking empty, (laughs) they will happen, which he has a point. So like the federal government can say you have to cut water use. The states can voluntarily do it or we do just run out of water in these two reservoirs. Like none of the options are great. I just am like. I don't understand how we're going to continue to produce food without water. I also think this is going to be a ongoing conversation moving into other areas. Like you and I have had a lot of conversations about how important water is, uh, how I just feel like we're not, I don't want to say paying enough attention to it. I don't know. I just. No, I agree. And actually, I'm happy to, we've said that a few times that we're like, we are so focused on carbon right now. That was a big, I noticed that thread throughout all the conversations. It's like, what about water? And that water conversation, like going back to the 
global roundtable for sustainable beef, like what we need to do to reduce water use. Speaking of water, our third industry news piece is titled Americans now drink more bottled water than soda. This means we're all getting healthier, right? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and what are we doing with all those ga- those plastic bottles? Um, this is the first time ever that the U.S. sales soda water has surpassed soda. Oh, my gosh. First of all, I love that you call it soda. It's cute. You call it pop. No, I call it Coke. Oh, <laughs> but that's just no, 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 no. There is only Coca-Cola. <laughs> it's Coke. But you can't refer to like, what if I order a Sprite? You can't call that Coke. I think I do. Do you? So you're going to ask me, do I, Natalie, do you want a Coke? And I'm supposed I to. I don't know. I don't say soda or pop. So is my, if I'm at your house and, you and there's drink? a choice That's of. That's what I would say. There's a choice. How do I know what my choices are? If you just say, do you want a Coke? I think I would say, like, do, do you want a drink? I don't, I'm, I don't think I've ever said soda or pop. We are, this, we are getting off topic and I want to get back to the bottle of water. I just don't think this is something that can be so lightly shoved under the rug. I think it can be. We are, oh man, we have very differences of opinion on how things are said <laughs> and words that are used. Um, do you want to know a fun fact though? Hit us. About bottled water is whenever, every time I go on a podcast or anything, everyone always goes, how does dairy feel about milk alternatives taking up the market space? Mm. Fun fact, bottled water has taken more of our market share than anything else. I have heard you share that before. And I think that's just interesting. Just like fascinating. So maybe like soda and milk should team up and go after bottled water. <laughs> well, doesn't Coke own Coke the other kind of already are. There you go. Oh, who did we trigger <laughs> by bringing that up? <laughs> I know. Seriously. <laughs> Oh, um, I don't know. I thought this was interesting, though. I'm I don't know. They did give some great options for not using like bottled, like getting bottled water, but like doing refillable. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why we got our Stanley Cup. What I think I would have been curious to know this article didn't really go into it is like, why? Why are why are like what's the reason behind the consumers? Like, where's their brain at? Why are they choosing water? Is it a health standpoint? Is it some, you know, like, is something right in the news? Is there a movement? Was there an ad? Like, I feel like there was a movement to be like, you have to drink eight glasses a day. I feel like that's been like an ongoing movement, don't you think? Yeah, for like our whole life. So why now is it? Well, I think it like took time to like transition over. Yeah. It happened in 2016, right? Is that what it said? It's been going. In- yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're on a good track. Yeah. All right. That's all I've got on that one. I, um, want to move into let's let's do something fun yeah i think so too because we've just we've had a lot of i mean the obviously agriculture is near and dear to our hearts it's going to be a core topic of our podcast but i feel like we've this has been a heavy like heavy topic of agriculture so we're going to do our last three tabs open while you're pulling up your tabs i do want to say um we will share like we probably both will have a highlight of all the stuff we shared at this on our instagram page oh i don't know if i want to make a highlight oh Okay, well, I will have a highlight. You can head over to at Tara Vanner. I'm trying to declutter my highlights, but maybe that maybe I should have like a facts highlight, like informational highlight. It's all on my Twitter page. Oh I, yeah, I tweeted all of my yeah. There. I tweeted all my favorite takeaways. And we'll do a recap video, um, mm-hmm. like a reels. Or yes, something. yeah, we have that too. But yeah, my Twitter. I did tweet like all my favorite takeaways from the conference. You were a tweeting son of a gun. I was all listen. 
I brought my tweet game. I wanted to, to screenshot all of your beat. stories. Maybe I still will. All your stories and share them to my stories. I was like, ooh. That was <laughs> I should I should just tag you in every single. I just forget. I feel like that one's like, hey, can you tag? Me? <laughs> You're like, will you take me in that one? That one's good. <laughs> okay, I've got my three tabs. Do you want me to go? Yeah, let's alternate. Okay. Um, you mentioned this beef on Wikipedia. So I googled beef and went to the Wikipedia page about beef. It was filled with so much misinformation. I was like, I almost want to make it my life mission to go on the Wikipedia page and because you know how you like type things in yourself. We should start a group that's like farmers fixing wikipedia yes ffw oh my gosh we should because anyone could i mean that's the problem with wikipedia right anyone can go in and type anything you can tell it is absolutely like animal activist propaganda and tara's like you can tell not a single farmer has gone in here to correct any of it (laughs) apparently but that's kind of scary because like we're obviously not the ones reading it somebody else's i mean maybe people don't read wikipedia anymore i feel like they do i don't because i think that's like my pharmacy background then though i'm like trained so heavily like Obviously, you can't like sort or not sort. You can't go to Wikipedia source, to yeah. like, give people drugs. Yeah, we can't couldn't source any of our information. Like it was just hounded to me from the beginning. Like, yeah. so I feel like I just scroll over it Past to go it. to like what is. But I don't think that's like the average person using the internet. Yeah, that's, I, I really do know. think we need. Who wants to start the initiative? Yeah, somebody farmers fixing Wikipedia. It was bad. It was really bad. So okay, yours. My first one is drjoedispenza.com. So I've talked about wanting to tell you I should see Tara's face right now. What I've that? talked about that? I've talked about this before on the podcast about how I'm getting into meditation in the morning. Oh my gosh. Tara, I you cannot you shame my me mental up. health I'm practices. Not, I'm not, I'm not, but I thought you were gonna wake me up this morning. I wanted to didn't. so bad. I want and I was like, be a good friend, don't turn the lights on. I also didn't want to so my morning routine is meditation and yoga. And I didn't want to yoga on the um, mm. When you said that the last night, you were like, I get floor. Up I was like, you're on your own on that Yeah. One. I don't know what it, it just didn't, it was just too much for me no, to get down I, there. No, I'm happy so, that you have this morning routine. I'm sorry I disrupted it today. But he, he's uh, very well known in the meditation space and at his website, you can buy a ton, a ton of different meditations. Um, I haven't bought any of them yet. I was, I'm kind of a little actually confused about his website. So I was like, I'm going to save this and talk to Ashley about it. Um, but that was one of the last things I Googled was because I want to get more um, like guided meditations for myself. Okay. My next one is a recipe for chilaquiles verde. Oh, of course it is. My mom made it for me for my birthday, for my birthday brunch. I was with my mom and dad. And so she made it for Daniel and I, we share the same birthday, yada, yada, yada. And it was so good. Like it changed my life. I think. What is it? Chilaquiles? I don't know what chilaquiles is. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's like a, first you do some like beans, like this, we did refried beans. Ooh, then you do. I'm out. Okay. Well, you don't have to. You can skip okay. that. It's okay. very customizable. Okay. You home. My mom made homemade tortilla chips, and then she soaked them in um, tomatillo sauce. That I, will your mom give me her recipe? Yeah, that's why I have it pulled up to send to you. I don't. I want the tortilla chip recipe, not the. Oh, I don't know. I don't think it was anything exciting. Okay, that's I something know. I want to do. Though is make my um, own chips. It was well worth it. They were so good. <laughs> then you put scrambled eggs. Then this was um like I said a green like a Verde's one. So sometimes you can do red enchilada sauce, and this one was a tomatillo sauce, and then cheese, all the good things. My mom cooked bacon into the eggs. It was honestly phenomenal. If you guys don't know by now, food is a very important part of Tara's life. Yeah, it's my love language. It's your. <laughs> they like don't give that. You're like option. the five love languages is actually wrong. It There's is six, wrong. and food is one of I them. I had this. I've had this conversation before. I'm like, why isn't food one? If you make me food, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you. Marry me. Marry me. So my second one is I've been searching. 
I've shared a little bit on Instagram, but we bought like kind of one of those like prefab sheds. I just, I don't know yeah. how to like better explain I this. I wait for this. Yeah. And we're turning it into like the half of it's going to be Luke's. It's like the ranch office. Half the Luke is going to be Luke's ranch office side. And then the other half is going to be my office and podcasting studio. Woo woo. Um, and so we're landscaping around it. Um, cause it's kind of like, as you drive, it would be one of the first buildings you'd see as you like drive down the driveway to the ranch. So we're landscaping around it and I want to get like a big flagpole to put there. And I also want to get like a Cavort cattle company ranch made a sign made to put there. And so I've been like Googling to try and figure out how to buy a sign. Oh, I have someone for you. Okay. I have, um, my cousin does, um, like metal plasma. Cutting, yeah. Like, like big signs. signs. As big as you want. Okay. I don't know how you chip it. To yeah, you. I know. Well, so that's what I, I was like, but I didn't know where to start locally. So I don't know. I was just kind of proving, well, maybe but that's one of my taps. connect you with someone. Yeah, that'd be good. And in our stories too. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, good on that one. Can I move to mine? Yep. Egg whites. I got sent this uh, like from someone. It's egg whites can be transformed into a material capable of filtering microplastics from seawater. And I got sent it by a follower who was talking to me about um, all the microplastics we have in the ocean from vegan uh, clothing options. Like that's the number one source of microplastics in our ocean is synthetic fibers um and so how cool would that be if egg whites could be like what fixes that problem i don't know i thought it was interesting so i was reading up on it i got sent that same article and i have not read it yet i know some of these tabs i feel like we both do this we leave tabs open so we can go back and read mm-hmm. them yeah it's like a to-do list maybe it'll be a to-do list on the airplane home today <laughs> um my third one is aloyoga.com um it's funny. I was actually listening to a podcast. I don't know how many times I say that in my life. <laughs> we should all play drinking game every time. <laughs> that, that. <laughs> that was talking about how hard it is to be like, look cute in athleisure wear. Is it? Yes. Oh. I feel like is I struggle with that. And so I've been wanting to up-level my athleisure wear. Oh my like I want to get cute matching sweats. I want. I did buy like a cute matching yoga set, but I just don't have very many. I used to not like prioritize that as much. So anyway, but aloe yoga is like one of my favorites to buy from. And so I have that up. I don't know what I'm buying yet, um, but I, I need, that's like my reminder, like buy some cute clothes, buy some cute yoga clothes. Add to your list that we need to buy cute conference clothes. We officially decided yes, we have no business Yes, I actually story about that today. I'm like, I'm not, but I'm also not a business casual girly. Like I just can't do like suits and stuff. I so I think know. that's why I avoid that's buying conference clothes though. is because I'm like, I don't know what to we buy we'll have spent five days at conferences in the last week like we need conference. it's clothes. a huge percentage actually when we did that exercise with kylie that had you uh do the percentage of the clothes oh, yeah, the you but that's what style. that is actually thank you for the reminder of to yourself natalie that is when i was like i need to invest in cute athleisure clothes because i was like going to oh, tad's yes. games and there was like that a couple sense. things that i was like my closet is not equipped for this like i have two i have I could dress to the T, no problem to go out to a cute dinner, to look cute and casual at Tad's games. Like, same. I have actually. a problem. And so that's a very good point that like my percentages of what I need to buy for are shifting. Like I need more casual, cute clothes. I need some business conference clothes. I'm not really going out to dinner with girlfriends anymore. Like that's not happening in my life I at this stage like right now. Some of my casual clothes are beyond casual. It's like a college t-shirt, like with my sorority on it. Like I'm like, we probably need to retire this and like up level <laughs> a little bit. You're like Luke. You won't let me throw anything away. Like, yeah, I can't throw anything away. All right, that's our that's our episode. Yeah, that's our episode. So, um, 
I'll say I would love to hear from you guys. Post your stories. We're in a new month. So if you leave us a review or you share to your stories and tag us, we'll be picking another winner this month to win um, like a goodie box filled with all of Natalie and I and Discover Ag's favorite things. It's a really – I try to like pack it full of fun things. So leave us a review. Share us to your stories. And let us know what you liked from this week's episode. And I feel like I'd one more like shout out to Merck. Thanks again for allowing us to be at this conference and to bring this content to you guys. And we'll see you guys next week for another Discover Ag episode as well as book club with our special guest, uh, Coach Kaya. So tune in for that one. The book is The Gap in the Gain and we had a lot to say about it. 